Hello everybody, welcome back to Young and Biblical. My name is Cruz, and today I'm going to be doing this episode alone. Um, Reed is out of town for New Year's Eve, so he was unable to make it to record. So, just me. Um, we'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and the topic of this whole episode, as you probably guessed from the title, is a new creation. Um, and with it being a new year tomorrow, uh, I think it's very topical and, um, I just think it would be a good message to learn with so many people starting new year's resolutions and stuff. So without further ado, let's get into second Corinthians five with the first five verses. So starting in verse one of chapter five, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked, for while we are still in the tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we should be unclothed, but that we should be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Before we get in more in depth into the verses, I would like to first give a little background to what's happening around Second Corinthians. Um, it was written by Paul, as most of the New Testament books were. Um, it was written around a year after the First Corinthians book that was before Second Corinthians, and that was around his third mission missionary journey around the year eighty uh, fifty five to fifty six A D. Um, so that's a little background, what's happening. Um, Paul's just writing this about a year after first Corinthians was written. So with that being said, let's jump into the verses. Um, in the first few verses, it's saying that earth is our temporary home. Um, I'm about to list, uh, some song lyrics, um, as that, that, those, that phrase um may signify temporary home by Carrie Underwood and that's probably gonna be my recommendation this week um the course of the song says this is our temporary home it's not where we belong we're just passing through um that's me paraphrasing it a bit and obviously I don't sound as good as Carrie Underwood but <laughs> yeah it just those words we're not we don't belong here um we belong with God and um, that's the way God intended it. We were meant to just be with him in a holy house up in heaven. And that's what he did with Adam and Eve originally. He just intended to be with them and no sin would keep them apart. But obviously we know the story of Adam and Eve. Uh, sin did end up keeping us apart from them, from him. So we don't belong here on earth. We belong in heaven. And um, as it says in verse 2, for in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. I don't know if maybe I'm in like a a song mood or something or a country music mood, I guess. But um, it reminded me of a song by Kenny Chesney. Everybody Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. I completely disagree. 
as much as I love Kenny Chesney, I don't think he could be any further from the truth there. If I could go to heaven right now, I would 100% choose that over life on earth. To be with God for eternity is the goal of all Christianity, is to be with him. And um, it says in verse 2, for in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. It even says it in the Bible that Paul is just wishing he could be with God right now, but he can't because he has to has to live on earth and um it's a it's a weird conundrum um that's a fancy word for like a weird problem um that we want to be in heaven with god but we need to further his kingdom first um god has us on earth for a specific purpose and that's to share his word and his love across all the earth to the ends of the earth and all the all of Judea, uh, I believe it says in Matthew 28, 9 in the Great Commission. The last thing I want to point out in the first five verses is in verse 4. It reads, For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we should be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. These verses are telling us that all that we are, all, all of our mortal form is should be covered up with Christ. Everything that we are should be Christ. And when people see us, all they see are Christ in us. And that is a, a wonderful reminder because um, oftentimes people want to distinguish themselves and they want to show they're different from everybody else. And I mean, that's cool and all, but that's not what Christ tells us to be. We should be like him. We should always be like Christ. So with that being said, let's get into the next set of verses, verses 6 through 10. Getting into the next set of verses, verses 6 through 10, um, starting in verse 6. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we'd rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due. For what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. I don't have too much, too many notes on these verses, but one thing I really want to emphasize, and I hope my point gets across here, is the point of our aim towards God is to please Him. Everything we sh we do, every action that we take, should be made towards pleasing God. Every almost lapsed into song lyrics again, but. Just everything we should be doing should be to please God. And if it's not, we really need to cut those actions out of our lives. Like there is nothing more important than doing God's work. And that's that's a saying that gets tossed around when you do something good. You're doing God's work. I mean, but truthfully, we should be doing God's work. We should be sharing his gospel. We should be sharing his love. We should be doing all that we can to make sure people understand how much God loves them and how much 
Jesus did for them. He died on the cross for them. He loved them to the fullest extent. And that should be our aim in life. So let's get into the next set of verses, and that's 11 through 15. I'll start with verse 11 now. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are besides ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So, in these, in the first verse there, in verse 11, um, it talks about the fear of the Lord. And I've grown up in church all of my life, and I never or I, I ended up understanding what the fear of the Lord is, but it was something that was hard for me to grasp. Like, was I supposed to be afraid of God? Like, why should I love him if I'm afraid of him? That never really stuck with me when I was younger. But as I grew up, I kind of understood. And um, with this podcast being geared to young believers, I, I want to get a point across, get across the point. That's what I meant to say of what the fear of the Lord means. Um, I found a really cool quote by C.S. Lewis. Now, C.S. Lewis was the guy that wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's a great set of books. I would highly recommend them. It, he's a very Christian author. Um, but anyway, he describes the fear of the Lord as not a fear that one feels for a tiger or even a ghost, rather the fear of the numinous. He describes it as one filled with awe in which you feel wonder and a certain shrinking or a sense of inadequacy to cope with such a visitant and our prostration before it is a fear that comes forth out of love for the Lord. Now, that's a bunch of fancy words. I wasn't quite sure on some of them, but the ones I truly did understand were one, you're filled with awe. Um, now, being filled with awe at how great God is and how our minds can't comprehend him. That is the fear of the Lord. We can't possibly imagine in our own reality, somebody like God, like there's no human like God and we can't ponder that. We can't understand that. And that's what humans fear and that the, we fear what we don't understand. And that's the fear of the Lord, in my opinion. If you have a differing opinion, you can email me uh, on, at the end of the episode, I'll say the email. You can email us at that address, or you can DM us on Twitter at the Twitter I'll give at the end of the episode. So with that being said, let's continue on into the next few verses. Now in verse 12, it reads, we are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. This isn't Paul saying to the Corinthian church, the church in Corinth, um, 
that they should be bragging about Paul, like just look at how great Paul is, you know. But no, they should be bragging about what God has done through Paul, in Paul, like changed Paul completely. He's a new creation, as we'll get into. Um, yeah, that's that's what they're saying there. He's not saying that you need to just brag on him, but brag about what God has done in his heart. There's nothing that Paul has done. It's all what God has done through Paul. That's what he, it's getting across there. So yeah, uh, it kind of reminded me of the verse. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but um, let something, no man shall boast. I don't know. I'll look it up in a second. I uh, will be right back. The verse I was thinking of was Ephesians 2.9. It reads, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Uh, that's the New Living Translation, but the King James Version says, not of, works, not of works, lest any man should boast. That is what I thought about reading those verses right there. So yeah, getting back into the rest of the set of verses I read. Uh, in verse 14, I'll, I'll reread it to remind you. It says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. If we truly love Christ with all our heart, um, then our actions will show it. Um, as it said in Ephesians 2.9, um, that not of works, lest any man should boast. Our salvation did not come from our works. Nothing I can do, nothing you can do, nothing Reed can do, nothing can the Pope can do, any religious figure ever could do, could get us salvation aside from Christ dying for us. That is the only way we get back to God. And that, that is the reason we should live for Christ, to get to God. And because he loves us, we should love him. And if we love, truly love Christ, our actions will show it. Like, if you truly love Christ, you're not going to live for the world. You're going to live for him. Um, it's the same thing with, like, relationships. If you truly love someone, you will do anything for them. And we should do the same for Christ. Like, he is our everything. He's our role model. He's our savior. He's our father, three-in-one, everything. He is everything to us. So we should do everything we can to further his kingdom and to to be like him. And that love of Christ should control us. Like it should, it should be the main point, the main focus of our lives to control our actions. All right, so that's it for the 11 through 15, but now jumping into 16 through 21, I will start with verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. These set of verses was the whole inspiration for this episode. Uh, A new creation, becoming a new person. Um, With it being New Year's Eve and tomorrow being New Year's Day, Day, a lot of people are going to post this on social media. New Year, new me. And they'll have these New Year's resolutions of things they're going to quit or things they're going to do or something along that line. Um, But being a new creation isn't going to wear off in three months, like these New Year's resolutions or like these New Year's new me kind of thing. No, becoming a new creation is lifelong. It's even further than life. It's eternally. It's eternal long. It lasts for eternity. That's the words I'm looking for. Becoming a new creation through Christ changes everything about you you no longer have the desires of your old self you no longer want what that old person wanted you want what christ wants and you see christians that are the same as um the way they were before they got saved and really makes you wonder like do they truly know christ and personally like I've, I've seen a lot of people do that. Um, I used to go to church camp a lot when I was in high school. And during church camp, you'd have this amazing music and everybody's got their hands up and singing these great songs. And you're away from all distractions because our chaperones didn't let us have phones there. And you get this almost, a, it's called a camp high. And a camp high is like you're running on emotions. And you're like, yeah, man, I, I feel really convicted. And you get saved and then you get home and there's distractions. And you're not going to a worship service every single night. And a lot of people fall victim to that camp high and thinking, oh, man, everything's different now because I'm saved. And it should be that way, but they didn't get saved because they felt convicted of their sin. They felt this emotion that was in the building and it led them to quote unquote being saved. And a lot of people would go to camp, get saved, have like one or two weeks of where they're on fire for Christ and then it dies down. And then the next year they go to camp, they get saved again and it, it's really messed up. Um, and not to say you can't get saved at a camp. I actually did get saved at a camp and I, I thankfully wasn't on that camp high. Um, and I was able to continue that, that love for Christ. Um, so that is an example of an old creation 
the person going to camp, same person, going to camp and getting saved, you would believe to be a new creation, and then afterwards, they after the camp has died, died down, they're back to that old creation, and well, you can't have an old creation. The old should pass away, but instead, people fall back to what they're comfortable with, and being a new creation, being entirely different to what you once knew is is scary. Um, like you have to turn away from all these sins, and it's something you're not comfortable with, and that's good. God never said we're going to be comfortable. God said we're going to be persecuted. God said that we will struggle the same way Christ struggled, and Christ struggled pretty hard here on earth. So... I just want to just want to point out that through Christ we are new not because of some camp high where you listen to a cool band no we are new through Christ and Christ alone um yeah so getting into the next couple of verses in verse 19 it says that is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against him and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation Once we're saved through Christ God doesn't hold our sins against us and that's crazy to think about I I've, I've heard this quote that um, I think it was from my preacher brother Will, and he probably got his quote from someone else. But he said that sinning is like spitting in God's face. Um, I don't know if you've ever had somebody spit in your face, but I I haven't personally that I can remember. But I would imagine it's pretty hard to forgive. Um, but God does that, and He doesn't hold us against it, like He's not that friend that helps you out and is like, oh. And then when ever they're in a tight jam, they're like, oh, remember that time I, I did that for you? Better help me out. No, God doesn't do that. God wipes the slate clean. Like he's a dry erase marker on a, a white whiteboard and it's all gone. Never coming back. It's in the past. Everything that we do against God, once we are saved, is completely gone. Our old lives have passed away. We are new creation. So why should this new creation hold back, hold, be held uh, these sins against them that the old creation did? It makes no sense. So that's truly wonderful to think about, that God doesn't hold these, this past life of yours against you. No, he forgets it. He forgets it Forgives and forgets it. That's the words I'm looking for. He forgives and forgets it. So in verse 20, it says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors for Christ. Um, ambassadors, like, it's just like a rep. It's a fancy word for representative. We represent Christ here on earth. Everything we do is showing to the world what Christ is all about. And that's a little concerning um, as I've, I've known in my own life where I haven't been the greatest ambassador for Christ. We need to 
be on guard every moment of our life. Satan is trying to get you every single day. If he can find one little weakness, he will and try to exploit that. And we have to be on guard so that we can be a better ambassador for Christ, so that more people see Christ through us. And they're like, well, I, I want something, some of that. I want what Cruz has. He seems to know Christ. He knows God. That's how we should act. We have to be this, this figure that shows what God is all about and what Christ can do to a person. He can change anybody. He changed Paul. Paul wrote this book. Paul murdered Christians, like straight up persecuted, put them on crosses, burned them alive. He did horrible things, and yet he's a new creation. Anybody can change, no matter the person. And there are obviously very messed up people in this world, but I don't think there's many that are that were worse than what Saul, aka Paul, was. And if you're listening to this and you aren't saved, I highly suggest uh, talking to your local preacher or a family member that is saved. But there's n- all your sins are nothing. Once you are a Christian, once you are saved, those sins are wiped away, washed as white as snow. Um, yeah, I just that was just great, like a great verse, verse twenty out of chapter five. The last verse in this chapter uh, is in verse twenty-one. It says, "For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God." Jesus never sinned, never sinned a single time on earth, and never will. And that was the true painful part of the cross. And the cross was horrible. I mean, it's one of the worst ways to die. You suffocate because you have to hold yourself up on the nails that they put through your hands. And... The worst part of that for Christ was the sin that we placed upon him. He had never felt that. He had never felt the death of sin. And yet every sin from the first one with Adam and Eve to the last one when he comes back, every single sin was placed on him in that moment. That was the true agony of the cross for Christ. And that is sad. That is that is incredibly convicting um, that we put that on Christ. Like, if even if I lied once, like a little white lie, it was on there, uh, on Christ, causing him that pain. And one thing I really loved about the Passion of the Christ movie was... The director, Mel Gibson, um, the, the guy that was in Braveheart, and he's a bunch of other movies. But he directed that movie, and he told the people on the set that he w- had to be the one to nail Jesus' hands into the cross because he wanted to signify to everybody watching that all of us were the ones that put him on that cross. Without Christ going on the cross, we would never get to heaven. 
And that was that was a really good demonstration by Mel Gibson. I, I really loved that. So that being said, um, that's all I have for Chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. I hope you enjoyed. Let's get into the recommendation section of the episode. So I know I said earlier that I was going to say Temporary Home was my recommendation. And while I do recommend that song for those that haven't heard it, I decided to go with something more appropriate for the message of becoming a new creation. And I was looking through some songs in my Spotify and I saw Made New by Lincoln Brewster. And this song is, it's, directly ties in what I was saying. We are, we're made whole through Christ and we're made new. The old me has passed away. The new has come. And the song um, goes into that and showing that God doesn't hold that against us, doesn't hold our old lives against us. We are a new creation through him. So that's my recommendation, Made New by Lincoln Brewster. So before I close out this episode, I would like to wish you all a happy new year. Welcome to 2021. Um, This is from me and Reed. Um, Really appreciate all the support we've gotten from for this podcast with these 11 episodes with this one being released. Thank you all for the support. And I pray that this new year is one that will be historical, one where the world sees a revival in Christ. And I pray that even for one person listening, if they are inspired by this podcast, or if they might not know Christ, um, that they are saved through that. If that could happen, that would be amazing. And it is whatever God chooses to do. Um, but I pray that anybody listening, that you follow through with your New Year's resolutions to be closer with God. That should be all our New Year's resolutions, to be closer with God and to grow more in love with Christ every single day that we live. So that is going to do it for episode 11 of Young and Biblical, New Year, New Me. If you enjoyed, please follow us on Spotify, if that's where you listen, to keep up to date with episodes when we release them. And if you watched on YouTube, then you can subscribe there and hit the little notification bell, and it will update you when we release videos. If you enjoyed it there, please like the video and comment suggestions on future episodes, whether it be scripture that you really enjoy or are having problems understanding, or perhaps topics that you struggle with. And... If you don't want to contact us there, you can email us at youngunbiblical at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter at biblicalyoung on Twitter. And you can DM us suggestions there. Thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you next year.